Lost Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Howell. And I'm your host, Angie Rogers Howell. What is the Gone Boss Podcast? Well, it's a weekly podcast featuring awesome people in our community. We'll interview them, find out what makes them tick, the cool things they're doing to make our community a great place to live and work, and how they've gone boss. Be sure to check us out at goneboss.com or hashtag goneboss. We're on Instagram at goneboss2k or find us on Facebook by searching for goneboss. We're brought to you today by our premier sponsor, Schaefer Leadership Academy. Learn more at schaeferleadership.com. What do they have coming up? An early riser virtual jumpstart. Early riser. So how early is it early? I mean, 8, eight o'clock. 8 o'clock. Well, that's not too bad. For most that's people. That's not an early riser. For most people, that that's like fine. like regular business time. Mm, yes, but some of us. Like you. Like me. Are not early risers, but some of us are. And this one's a virtual one, so you could just roll out of bed and do this in your jammies if you wanted to. Now, is it called Jump Start or is it called something else? The program title is A Journey Towards Self-Compassion, Calming Your Inner Critic. Who's putting it on? This is presented by Ailish Wasserman. She's a Schaefer Leadership staff member, and she's going to talk about imposter syndrome and how to conquer it. That's what this one's all about. So get up early. Don't be an imposter. Exactly. Or bring your imposter self with you. It's fine. So in this session, you're going to learn, you're going to gain clarity about the reality of imposter phenomenon through a healthy and constructive lens. We're going to learn how to recognize the feelings and coping mechanisms of your inner critic and how you can reframe those feelings towards a more compassionate view of your own self-acceptance. Now, when's this going to happen again? This is Thursday, July 6th from 8 to 9.30 a.m., and it's all virtual, so you can hop on your computer. I'm going to say it's after the 4th of July, so I'm going to be a, you know. It's like two days after the 4th of July. I still may be hungover. How hard are you complaining about partying on the 4th of July? My goodness, I'm not. I'm American. (laughs) You're American. Anyway, get your American self to a journey towards self-compassion, calming your inner critic on Thursday, July 6th from 8 to 9.30 a.m. Learn more at shaferleadership.com. In the studio with me, I have Susan Brumley. Now, what do you do? I am the Executive Assistant and Convenings Coordinator for Ball Brothers Foundation. All right. Now, explain what that is, really. I have been nicknamed the Air Traffic Controller for the office. So imagining just how busy Judd Fisher, Jenna Walkman, and the team are, I am the person who answers the phone calls, coordinates the appointments, keeps everybody in check and in line. So you're the traffic. You're the traffic controller of the organization. Correct. Okay. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And convenings coordinator portion of it is I describe that as the hostess with the mostess. So any of the meetings that our team has or guests that we receive into the office, uh, outside meetings, I coordinate those as well. All right. Now, a lot of people know about the Ball Brothers Foundation, but give me some background on this. Ball Brothers Foundation, we will be coming up on our 100-year anniversary in 26, which is very exciting for us, especially for myself being new to the team. Uh, We're already starting plans to do that, but the organization was started by the original five Ball Brothers when they came to Muncie, and this is just a way for the legacy to continue, for the family to continue financial support of our community, build our community, partner with the community, so we have a lot to be grateful for. Now, those five Ball Brothers, I see them on the outside of the building, on the, uh, what is that, the east side of the building? Correct. Tell me about them. Like, what did they do 
to amass their fortune mm-hmm. and to spread it across Muncie for so many years? Yes. Well, that's a great question. Originally, the family started in New York, and it was a glass manufacturing company. You may be aware of the ball jar, yep, <laughs> um, which is a mason jar. Every ball jar is a mason jar, but every mason jar is not a ball jar. Okay. It's kind of like bourbon and whiskey. A little bit. Yes, (laughs) yes. There is a distinction between. So that's very important to know. But the company started in New York, and there was a fire at their factory in New York. There was an invitation to come to Muncie back in 1926, before 1926, before they came. Because of the natural resources that were found in our ground here, it was perfect for glassmaking. So they were invited to come. They did. The mother of these young men, um, one of her philosophies was always to stick together, always support each other, always be together. And that is why the five of them came, built their lovely homes along Minatrista Boulevard, and started the glass manufacturing company here in Muncie, which then continued um, for a very long time. But the wealth that came from that, the blessing that came from that was just very good stewardship, very sound practices. And that is what is continuing to bless our community today. Now, the organization is run by Judd Fisher. Correct. So how is he connected to the family? He is third generation grandson to the family. So um, we, our board is comprised mostly of generations down of family members. We do have outside members on our board, but we are still very strong with the family. It's a very, very important connection to our history. Well, tell me about how you got here to this position. What did you do before all this? Oh, that's a very long story. Okay, so I like to say that I grew up in Muncie. I'm originally Michigan-born, but spent the majority of my years here in Muncie. So it's just easy for me to say I'm from Muncie. Um, You're a Munsonian. I am a Munsonian. And I went away for 20 years, never expecting to come back to Muncie. Lo and behold, uh, we are now on 11th year that I have been back in Muncie and very happy to be back. So, Where did you go for 20 years? I went to Chicago. Okay. That's where I got bit by the retail bug and started my career in retail and management that took me to southern Indiana, Tampa, Florida, back to Illinois back to Muncie. So there's been a lot of traveling stops in between, and it's been great and lovely and wonderful. Um, But like I said, came back just uh, almost 11 years ago. All right. Tell me about your family life. How how you made up? I am married to a wonderful man, Joel Brumley. We have been together for 30 years, coming up on our 23-year wedding anniversary. Holy cow. Congrats. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Um, We have been blessed with four beautiful children, raised them all here. Um, Our oldest was born in Tampa when we were living in Florida, but everybody else has been here, and um, they attend Yorktown schools. I graduated from Yorktown after spending most of my years at Delta, I can hear the boos and the hisses on both sides, Uh, uh, but the kids are, um, my oldest is at Ball State, and then my youngest is still in elementary school. So after Yorktown High School, what did you do? Did you go off to college, or did you... I studied art at Ball State. Art, okay. Yes, yes. I expected to start a career in advertising, but like I said, took off to Chicago, retail bug, and did that for over 20 years. What brought you back to Muncie? 
my husband was transferred here. So he had been with uh, University of Illinois Extension and transferred to Muncie to work for Purdue Extension. I was pregnant with babe number four at the time and thought, well, at least I'm going to go back to a place that I'm familiar with. My brother, I'm the youngest of four in my family, and my brother never left Muncie. So I had that familiarity to come home to him as well. What keeps you here in Muncie? You know, I'm to the point now where I can't imagine not being here. Mm -hmm. That may change someday after the kids are all out of the house. If that day ever comes, it doesn't feel like (laughs) it's going to. Um, But I, you know, it's, it's something that just gets under your nails, I guess. It's just, it's a part of me. Like I said, growing up here, it felt really good to come back home. And now the positions that I've been in, you know, I I worked at Minatrista for a while before joining Ball Brothers Foundation and the relationships. And it's just, it's a part of me now. It's just a part of me. So I don't know. I don't know if I will ever venture away. Now, before this position, you were at what? The Orchard Shops? Correct. Okay. And you ran that for a few years. I did. I did. Well, tell Um, me about that. That was, I swore that I was never going to get back into, quote unquote, the retail setting. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But the opportunity came along. And for me, it was just the magic of Minatrista. So I took over the orchard shop, uh, ran the store very successfully, which is an easy thing to do because it's a wonderful place, but brought that store to its first profitability in the in the history of it being there. And I'm very proud of that. I worked very hard. I loved interacting with our customers and the community and visitors to Muncie that had never been here before. I'll never forget educating an older gentleman that was passing through because in his triple A travel book, it told him that Minatrista was a five-star place to visit. So I stepped out into the courtyard with him and was, you know, telling him, you know, what Minatrista is because he really had no idea, literally read to me directly from his AAA book about where he was. And then I started talking about Ball State and the Ball family. And he said, well, well, wait a minute. And he, you know, does his hand like he's dribbling a basketball. And he says, Ball State isn't like ball. And I said, no, sir. (laughs) (laughs) And so that opened the door for me to educate him completely about um, everything that is Muncie and the Ball family and Minatrista. So it was a complete joy to be there. And it was my work that I did at Minatrista that... Got the attention um, that of... got the attention of other people and started an email exchange and and here I am. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. What professional advice would you give young people getting started mm. out there? Because I know you have four kids, so you've given yes. a lot of advice that was probably uh, rejected. But what would you say to people? <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> my children reject my advice? Certainly not. I think if I were speaking to a young professional today, like if I was speaking to myself years ago, I think one of the number one characteristics of a successful person is humility. And I think that is a characteristic that maybe we don't see as much as we used to in this advanced world that we're living in with the social media, with everything that is at our fingertips. I think um, number one, to be humble. Number two, to be relationship-driven more than money status-driven. Really make sure that you are investing in other people and leading by example, keeping it simple, 
I'm a big believer in trying to keep things simple because again, four kids working, everything, it's not everything's easy to complicated. Do. Everything <laughs> is complicated. So I work I work every day to try to simplify things a bit. But yeah, number one I would say is humility. What's your favorite band or artist? You know, lately I I I kinda wouldn't say I have a favorite. It's all about mood for me. Music is extremely important to me. I Music really helps take me to a new place. So if I'm working, it's probably lo-fi, chill, something playing in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a lot of uh, meditation type music. Um, one of my favorite, Trevor Hall. If you've never heard of this man, I highly recommend him, but it's very, I use it a lot for yoga and meditation and just to get my head into a new place. Um, But lately, I've been kind of going what I consider to be the oldies, and um, Black Crows has been on my playlist a lot lately. So now that's classic rock. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. 90s. (laughs) (laughs) It's so so strange to say that. (laughs) Like my husband likes to say, back in the 1900s. Yes, that's true. (laughs) What's your favorite movie? Yeah, I guarantee you that the majority of listeners have probably never heard of this movie. It is Giant. Familiar with it? No. Okay, it's, again, classic. It's Elizabeth Taylor, Rock Hudson, and it is James Dean's last film. He only made three films. You might know James Dean. I think he's from Indiana. Yeah, right up the road. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He only made three films, and I don't believe he actually finished giant before his uh, car crash, hmm. but that is my all-time favorite movie. Interesting. I'm going to have to check that one out. Mm-hmm. Do you have any hidden talents? Something you can do that you wouldn't think people would know you do? I do a really mean headstand. Okay. Is it part of that yoga? Yep. Okay. I can do a headstand. <laughs> there are a lot of things I cannot achieve in yoga yet, but other than that, I wouldn't say hidden talents. What's some obvious talents then? People say I'm a pretty good cook. Okay. I have a famous pizza. I'm I'm pretty mean in the kitchen. You're pretty mean in the kitchen. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever met anyone famous? Yes. So when I was uh, working in Chicago, I worked at Bloomingdale's. That's where I cut those retail teeth. And I waited on Joan London from, at uh, that time, oh, Good yeah. Morning America, and Billie Jean King. Wow. Yeah. So those were two people that I actually waited on in the store. Um, other than that, I think that's probably it as far as quote unquote famous. And again, that t- that tells you a little bit more about my age because some people listening won't know who those people are. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I do. So that's okay, all that matters. <laughs> are you an early bird or a night owl? Oh, totally early bird. Okay. Like it's Get up dark. in the morning. Boom. Yeah. Zero dark hundred. Yeah, I'm very much an early bird. My brain starts to turn off around... Usually I finish dinner, and if I sit down to watch television, I will doze off and then get up and walk the dog and then get to bed fairly early. But my alarm's usually 4.45, and I'm up by 5. Now, this morning I was awake at 5, but I didn't go to bed until like 5.30. Now, you a coffee drinker or not? Coffee. Okay. You real have a... coffee with real cream. You, no you have a favorite? Well, I partnered with the Caffeinery. Yeah. And we created two lovely roasts that are sold at the orchard shop. Very nice. Yes. Oakhurst <laughs> coffee is is delicious. I'll give a plug. <laughs> What's on your bucket list? What do you want to do before it's all said and done? 
I don't necessarily believe in bucket lists. Okay. I really try to embrace each day as it comes because each day is a blessing and you never know what's coming down that pipeline. So I don't necessarily have a bucket list. Although one thing that people might be surprised to know about me is that I am a hiker. Okay. And I started uh, at the beginning of the Appalachian Trail two years ago with my son, the two of us took off and did just a few days, not as long as I wanted to do, but it is my goal each year to get back on the trail. Um, I'm taking off Saturday to get back on the trail, so I will be hiking next week awesome. for vacation. But yeah, I switch out the heels and throw on hiking boots, which is quite the juxtaposition. <laughs> now, do you hike the... Indiana State Parks at all around here? Yes, I'll hike anything. Okay. So yes, and I and this is a. Do passion. you have a favorite? So I started solo camping at Summit. Okay. Just very close. This was during COVID. Again, four kids, home, husband, home. Every, yeah, get dog, out to the woods. Dog, and home. Like everybody was and home. Leave them behind. <laughs> and I took off, and I said, you know what? I'm just going to go to Summit Lake for a couple days. Just dropped me off. I literally had a bicycle, no car, no anything, and sat there for a couple days. And it just, like, everything started to open to me. And so pulled out my phone, looked at the site that I was sitting in, saw that it was available for another three days, and text my husband and said, bring me a little bit more firewood. I'm staying. And ended up doing a five-day solo camp. Absolutely loved it. Came home and just just lightly told people about it, shared one thing, and I was amazed at how much feedback I got from others saying, I can't believe you did this. I totally want to do this. How do you do this? And so then it's even gotten to the point where I've considered like maybe doing a retreat for women especially. Mm -hmm. um, not that we would all be together because the whole idea is to be solo, but to kind of show the way. And yeah, so Very I do. Cool. I go. I go out to Summit annually, at least a couple times a year for my, by myself for a few days. But you're getting ready to go back out to the Appalachian Trail just by yourself for the five days or No, this six, one seven? will be with my husband who has okay. never hiked. Oh my gosh. This ought to be fun. <laughs> I hope we come back married. <laughs> 30 what? years is a long time. I'd hate to lose it all this weekend. <laughs> Do you have a favorite place here in Muncie? I would say, like, if I could have the perfect day in Muncie, it might start out uh, with a nice walk either on the Cardinal Greenway, passing through Minatrista, touching on downtown, maybe a little shopping, a little coffee, and I would end my evening at Elm Street. I love the food. I love the drink. I love the people. Now they have live music outside. So, yeah, that sounds like a perfect day in Muncie. It is a good day. <laughs> Every day is a good day in Muncie. Well, thank you so much for being our guest today. I really appreciate you coming in. Thank you so much. This was a wonderful opportunity. So about six months ago, our son <laughs> broke the butter dish. He did. Now it was, you know, 19 year old boys are on a nocturnal schedule. So it was apparently in the middle of the night and he dropped the butter dish while he's making toast, which it always freaks me out when he makes toast in the middle of the night because I wake up smelling toast. And I'm like, wait, am I having a stroke? What's happening? I smell toast. What's happening? <laughs> but no, it was just him making toast and he dropped the butter dish and it cracked in half. And the top part. Yes. Now we had the bottom part is fine, but the top part yeah, that you put the stick of butter on the on the bottom part, right. and then you have this lid thing that right. goes on top. So the a regular butter dish, regular 
butter dish. So we are trying, we have been trying to replace this butter dish. Six months. Now, okay. We have replaced it, don't get me wrong, but we were looking for a we just identical want a regular butter, butter dish. dish. Like, not fan, I'm not looking for fancy. Like, we live on farm. We don't need fancy. We just need a piece of plastic and another piece of plastic goes on top of it. Or uh, porcelain. Or porcelain or whatever. It, but it, um, the thing is, it doesn't have to be like Martha Stewart level butter dish or whatever. So I went to Dollar General. I went to Walmart, where you would think you would find this regular a regular butter dish. butter dish. All I find are these deep dish wells of <laughs> butter. They're, I don't even know how people use them. <laughs> They're called butter crocs, I think. And I ended they up, are a crock. <laughs> I ended up finding one on Amazon. Now we have the little round one now. <laughs> yes. That. You put the butter in the little cup, and then you turn it upside down. You put it, put the lip in water, and it's supposed to keep it fresh. Right. So you right? put like a like half an inch of water at the bottom. Yeah. And then you take the little lid, and you go droop, and you stick it in there, and it's now, supposed to make a seal. Now you think this would work for regular people, but we must be irregular. We people must be weird because people. we heat up our butter every now and then, and then you can't put it upside down because it'll run into the water. <laughs> True. Now it's supposed to keep your butter from getting cold like during the winter time it's supposed yeah. to prevent cold butter which i do not think happens either because the butter is still cold maybe <laughs> our house is too cold i don't know our house is definitely our cold. house is definitely cold but so like you get this lump of rock hard butter that's not supposed to be hard and then you try to like get it out, it out and scrape it out and you can't it's hard like if you're cooking and you're trying to like measure like take a teaspoon of butter tablespoon of butter you know you could just take it like a like a hunk yeah. well you can't do that when it's a freaking dish <laughs> so and we take square square things of butter not yeah, square sticks. the rectangle Rectangle, sticks, regular and we have sticks to of shove butter. it into the the little <laughs> cup <laughs> the little butter container so and so i get my hands all over the butter which we, i think's gross we are manhandling this butter sometimes i'll put it in just a little bit in the top of the butter thing yeah and i'll put it in the microwave for like 15 seconds so it softens a little oh, and, and then, then smush squish it in it. but i still have to smush the butter and then it's too uh, it's too warm goopy and goopy so you can't upside down. i don't understand how this works how do people use these butter crock things it's now, Terrible. We, we even went on Amazon to find this elusive a regular butter regular dish. butter dish, and we could not find one. No, I can find I can find you know the the butter stick thing, yeah. whatever, right? But they're like twenty two dollars. <laughs> I wait, don't. Wait, are you telling me you found one, but it's just too expensive for? Well, you? yeah. I don't want a $22 butter dish. I want like a $7 butter dish. Maybe even 10 if I have to like splurge for a freaking butter dish. But $22 for a piece of porcelain and another lid is too much. Inflation. I'm, I'm drawing the line there. I think it'd be easier <laughs> to find a porcelain cow for your cream than it would be to find this butter dish. I agree. Someone, if you find find me a butter dish, it doesn't need to be fancy. It's plain, white, Under $10. Under $10 butter dish, please. Help save our family because the butter's driving us crazy. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Gone Boss. Be sure to check us out at goneboss.com or hashtag goneboss. We're on Instagram at goneboss2k or you can find us on Facebook just by searching Gone Boss. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you find your podcast. Today's episode was brought to you by our premier sponsor, Schaefer Leadership Academy. Check them out at schaeferleadership.com. 
Have a great rest of your day, and don't forget to tune in next week to find out who has gone boss. boss.